And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ. Comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well, actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Money Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This time, it's a terrific police procedural on Under Arrest, starring Joe DeSantis from 1949. Then, Jeff Chandler makes a guest appearance on the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis show from 1952. But first, let me say hello to my executive producer, Mike Costello. What's up, Mike? Hey, Carl. How's it going? Good. No Lisa, because she's on her 30th anniversary date. She is? She's on a date with her husband. Oh. 30 years they were married, and uh, she's like, you know, I can't make it in because I'm on a date with my husband, Dan. Fair enough. Congratulations yeah, to them. Not bad. All right. Well, you know what? We're going to start things off with Under Arrest, a police procedural. Initially, Craig McDonald starred as police captain John Drake, but soon after, Joe DeSantis uh, replaced him as police captain Jim Scott. Like Joe Friday, Scott dedicated his life to protecting citizens of his city. DeSantis was one of New York's busiest radio actors, appearing in Pepper Young's Family, Mr. District Attorney, Gangbusters, The March of Time, and many others. Under Arrest was broadcast from New York over Mutual from 1946 until 1949. And we have a 1949 broadcast for you now. From May 8, 1949, called Mollison's Handbag. This stars Joe DeSantis, part one of Under Arrest. Mutual presents Under Arrest, starring Joe DeSantis as police captain Jim Scott. Under Arrest. Into yourselves. Criminals behind bars. Under Arrest, the story of police captain Jim Scott's fight against crime. Uh, sit down, Mrs. Uh... Mollison. Mollison, yes. How can I help you, Mrs. Mollison? I understand you're in charge of leasing out space here at the New City Airport. Well, not uh, airfield or hangar space, Mrs. Mollison, just commercial space in the various buildings. What did you have in mind? A luggage shop, Mr. Hale. Smart and expensive. Yes. Uh, your address, Mrs. Mollison? 21 Courtney Road. Uh, previously, I was thinking of a smart dress shop. Dresses, suits, coats, accessories. I uh, had a shop of that kind in Seattle. And... Yes. <laughs> I had the impression when you came in that uh, that was more your style than <laughs> luggage. <laughs> I take that as a compliment, Mr. Hale. Uh, have you the time? Um, 11.45. Oh, dear. I'll be late for my next appointment. 
Could we meet again, Mr. Hale? Well, it'd be a pleasure, Mrs. Mullison. I'll be needing so much advice. May I telephone you in the next day or so? Any time, Mrs. Mullison. Goodbye, and thank you. Goodbye. Oh, uh, Mrs. Mullison. Miss Schumann, the lady who just left my office. Oh, not so quickly, eh? That's too bad. She left her handbag on my desk. Captain Jim Scott speaking. That day I was at my desk at headquarters. I never knew Dave Hale, general manager of the city airport. Never been any reason why I should have known him. But that day he phoned and came to see me. Well, Mr. Hale, you don't want me, do you? You want our lost and found department. I, I know it seems odd, Captain Scott, but open the handbag. Oh, see. She didn't come back right away, so I opened it to look for her address, and that's what I found. 25 caliber automatic. Handy weapon. You said her name was Mollison. Any first name? Oh, she didn't mention any. Husband's name? Oh, well, that's the funny thing. What? Well, of course, she said her name was Mrs., but... Well, I... I just can't think of a husband in connection with her. Ever noticed that about some women, Captain? Uh, usually that kind doesn't want you to think about her husband. Or am I unfair? Well, I must say this, Mrs. Mollison's... Uh, since she came to your office on business, didn't you write down her name and address? Yes, but when I looked for the piece of paper later, it was gone. Remember the address? Uh, no. I I'm so used to writing things down, I rarely remember such details. Just a second. Sergeant. Yes, sir? Check the city directory for a woman named Mollison. M-O-L-L-I-S-O-N. Mollison. And see if anybody named Mollison has a license for a twenty-five caliber Frascati automatic. Yes, sir. Of course, I suppose Mrs. Mollison will call back for the handbag, but, well, people who carry guns worry me a little, Captain. That's why I... I wish more citizens were like you, Mr. Hale. Then there'd be fewer unauthorized deadly weapons floating around. But, uh, the gun isn't the entire reason you came to see me, is it? <laughs> You're very discerning, Captain. Well, the fact is, holding a job under the city administration as I do, I just... Like to avoid any chance of trouble. And a good-looking but gun-toting woman looks like trouble to you, hmm? Am I wrong? No, I was going to say it if you hadn't, Mr. Hale. I... Excuse me. Yes? About Mollison. No such gun license. And the city directory? There are 17 Mollisons listed, Captain. I'm having the list typed up, sir. Thank you, Sergeant. You heard that, Mr. Hale. Tomorrow, if I can spare a man, I'll have those 17 Mollisons checked. And when you hear from the lady, let me know... If it seems advisable, play along with us. I think you're right to be suspicious. David Hale speaking. This is Mrs. Mollison, Mr. Hale. Oh, hello, Mrs. Mollison. I'm sorry to bother you, but I think I left my handbag in your office this morning, didn't I? Why, yes. Was there much money in it? Money? Well, I, I thought perhaps you'd have opened it, looking for my name or address or a phone number. Well, the fact is, Mrs. Morrison, I did. Oh, then, of course, you found the gun. Yes, Mrs. Morrison, but not your address, which I'd mislaid, nor your phone number. That gun belongs to my brother in Chicago. He insisted on lending it to me because I'm so often alone here at night. Oh, I, I see. My husband's a structural engineer... 
He's away so much. I could be arrested for not licensing it, I suppose. I... Now, this is awkward. I can't get to your office again for several... Mr. Hale, I wonder if you'd think me very forward. Forward, Mrs. Morrison? Well, we could kill two birds with one stone. I could recover my handbag and use the theater tickets at the same time. Theater tickets? Well, my husband was suddenly called to Morgantown, and we bought two good seats tomorrow night for the play at the Lyceum, Green Forest. I hate to miss it, and if you'd care to join me... Well, I'd be delighted, Mrs. Mollison. Uh, I, I, can, uh, I can pick you up at eight and, and bring the handbag with me. Eight tomorrow evening, then. Goodbye. Uh, Mrs. Mollison, <laughs> your address. <laughs> of course. 21 Courtney Road, the Green and White Bungalow. Eight tomorrow evening, Mr. Hale. And thank you very much. Oh, hello, Mr. Hale. I heard from Mrs. Morrison, Captain Scott. She explained the gun quite satisfactorily. It's her brother's. She's going to license it. Good. Uh, as to the rest, uh, <laughs> I'm going to the theater with her tomorrow evening. Good. Uh, Captain, um... I promise to return her handbag. When I do, the gun ought to be in it, don't you think? Well, uh, yeah. All right. I'll remove the firing pin just in case, and I'll send it out to your office right away, Mr. Hale. Good luck with Mrs. Mollison. Hope you don't need it. You've made this evening a lot of fun, Dave. I'm very glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you invited me. How about coming in for a nightcap? If you hadn't said it, I was going to say it myself. <laughs> Come on. What's more, I'm delighted your husband's away. <laughs> well, I'm delighted he's away too, Dave. Well, that's odd. I, I was sure I put out all the lights when we left. Well, anyway, I can give you a... Good evening, darling. Wow. I thought you were in Morgantown. No, I got halfway there and got a wire on the train putting over our conference for a week. This gentleman is, um... um this is Mr. Hale, my husband. How do you do, Mr. Mollison? Nice of you to entertain my wife, Mr. Hale. I hate to think of her being bored while I'm away. Vera, no doubt you were giving Mr. Hale a nightcap. I'll join you. I think I ought to be going, Mr. Mollison. Oh, why? You came in for a drink? You're going to have it. I'm taking a light scotch. Vera, take sherry. What can I give you? Light scotch should be fine. Plain water, no ice. I was very disappointed about my trip, Vera. Of course. How was the play, darling? The play? Well, the fact is, Mr. Morrison... Oh, it's a wonderful performance, Bob. You'll have to go and see it yourself. Mrs. The first act's dull. I didn't like the father at all, but the rest is very exciting. Didn't you think so, Mr. Hale? Well, maybe you'll see it again, Vera, with me. I'd love to. Your drink, Mr. Hale. Not too light, I hope. Thank you. Your sherry, darling. Thank you. Did you have any trouble getting the right seats, darling? What? When I left yesterday afternoon, I put the tickets here on the desk. They're still here. Oh, yes. I assume you forgot them and explained that to the door. That's right, Mr. Mollison. I mean, Mrs. Mollison did forget them, but... We didn't go to the theater at all. I I just told that little fib, Bob. I, I didn't want you to know I was careless and let the tickets go to waste. 
I'm sorry. Oh, I don't mind. Yes, actually... Actually, we went over to the Gedneys. I wanted Mr. Hale to see Bill Gedney. We played canasta and came home. Nice fellow, Bill Gedney, isn't he, Mr. Hale? Until he starts talking about his car. You know the way some people can be so dull about their cars? Oh, yes, very. Vera, now I realize how you met Mr. Hale. Oh? Just putting two and two together. Mr. Hale is manager at the airport. You were there yesterday. You must have forgotten something, possibly a handbag. Mr. Hale returned it to you. Good guess? Perfect, Mr. Mollison. You have it back, darling. May I see? Well, it's in my hand. Isn't that enough? I want the gun, Vera. The gun? May I? Here. Thank you. I don't like you to carry a gun, Vera, no matter what. I'm going to send this back to your brother. I'm glad it's not loaded. <sighs> what's this? What? In your bag, one of those stupid noisemakers that they give away in nightclubs. This one is from the uh, Club Serpentine. You didn't go to the theater. You didn't go to the Gedneys either, did you? You went to the Club Serpentine. Mr. Mollison. Oh, I don't mind the Club Serpentine, Mr. Hale. But I violently object to being lied to by my wife and another man. Bob, please. Mr. Mollison, I, I don't Dave, quite understand. Leave this all to me. I think you'd better go. That's the point my wife and I both agree on at this moment, Mr. Hale. You're going. Yes, I... Uh, Good night. Oh, this is all my fault, Mr. Hale. I'm, I'm truly sorry. Good night, Mrs. Mollison. Well, Bob, I think I've hooked him for you very neatly. Who'd you say, Miss Schumann? Oh. Um, you better say I'm busy and can't. No, no. Send him in, Miss Schumann. Come in, Captain Scott. Hello, Mr. Hale. I haven't heard anything further from you about Mrs. Mollison. No, I... Sit down. Thanks. What happened? Well, I... Uh... Fact is, I felt rather silly. That's why I didn't call you. Silly? I told you she invited me to the theater. Actually, we didn't go. She forgot the tickets. We went to the Serpentine instead, and later to her home for a nightcap. Unexpectedly, her husband was there. For some reason, Mrs. Mollison lied to him about where we'd been. I was very embarrassed. Mollison ordered me out. Ever since? No. You said she lied for some reason. Yes. Occur to you what the reason might be? She may figure what Mollison didn't know wouldn't hurt him. I figure she lied just to put you on a spot. Involve you in a relationship with her. She doesn't seem that kind of woman. She's she's very intelligent. She's lovely. Why else would she have lied? Captain, maybe your profession leads you to read all sorts of sinister meanings into trivial incidents. For a reason, Mr. Hale. Many a trivial incident has a sinister meaning. Blackmail is one of the sleaziest crimes there is. Blackmail? Blackmail. It's one of my duties to nab it. I suspect some kind of blackmail scheme is in the wind. And now, Mr. Hale, I'm not going to ask you to keep me informed. I'm warning you. That's rather high-handed, isn't it, Captain Scott? For your own good. Cut that dame cold, or if you do see her, let me know what happened. You invited me into this situation. 
When I'm convinced it's nothing, as you want to believe, I'll be the first to invite myself out. Goodbye, Mr. Head. Your drink here, huh? Thank you, darling. Here, you're a better judge of male character than I am. What's your opinion of David Hale's state of mind after the last six days? Well... You needn't be modest with me. I only want to be accurate. I'd say he's in a state of high curiosity. Mm-hmm. He's a nice man, so he can't figure out just what I was doing lying that night. I seem to be a nice woman, so why would I laugh? You don't think he's a cynic, do you? A cynic? A man who thinks all women lie? I don't know what he thinks about all women. I only know what he thinks about me. For instance? He fell for me. Hard. I hope you're right. That's why he's so curious. Even if he's scared of you, for instance, he's curious. Vera, don't estimate him for a fool. I inspected your supposed brother's gun. Did you know that the firing pin was removed? <gasps> well, he's a cautious man, isn't he? Well, it's a warning to us to be careful. It's time for the next step, isn't it? I think so. The embarrassed wife calling a sincere friend to explain the little business of the other night. A tear in the eye, a hint that your husband is an unfeeling brute. I know, I know. In short, if he's on the brink of falling in love with you, push him over the cliff. Uh, darling, we've been invited to Mabel Spinner's party next Monday night. She has a penthouse apartment, you know. Suppose I call Hale and say you're away again, and that I want to explain. <sighs> I think that'll do it, Bob. Pressure um, my drink, will you? <laughs> And that's the first portion of Under Arrest. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Do you love classic radio shows? The Jack Benny Program. X-1. Suspense. Now you can receive 10 classic radio shows on five CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month, I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on five CDs. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs for only $4.99. That's ClassicRadioClub.com or call toll-free 888-642-6556. That's 888-642-6556. Do you love classic radio shows? Now you can receive 10 classic radio shows on five CDs every month by joining the Classic Radio Club. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club so fans can receive the best of the best from my library each and every month. Join now and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs, a $39.95 value for only $4.99. Then every month, I'll hand-select 10 more of the 
greatest classic radio shows and mail them to you on five CDs. Every show will be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com to join and receive your first 10 classic radio shows on five CDs for only $4.99. That's ClassicRadioClub.com or call toll-free 888-642-6556. That's 888-642-6556. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to Under Arrest. Dave. Yes, Vera? Let's go out on the terrace. Yeah, of course. <sighs> it's like being in another world. Oh, what a beautiful night. Dave, please don't be angry. Angry? I'm not angry. And you're angry because I still haven't explained why. I... It's not important. Dave. I don't want to lose you as a friend so soon. I felt so badly I embarrassed you that night. I lied on the spur of the moment. It's hard for me to explain exactly why. Pop's character, I suppose, and instinctively I... Well, he's my husband. A good husband, really. I shouldn't criticize him, but... Oh, Vera. I told him the next day it was awful for him to have acted the way he did... Then I was ashamed to call you. Days went by. He went away yesterday morning, and I... I thought... Well, why should I be ashamed? Well, then let's forget it, Vera. Can you? Well, not literally, I suppose. I mean... For days, I couldn't think of anything but the look on your face that evening. Dave, I... What? Oh, never mind. What were you going to say? I shouldn't say a thing like that. Like what? Tell me. It presumes too much about... Your feelings for me. After all, we're not old friends. I'm simply a woman who wants to go in business again for herself. Some escape from... Oh, we'd better go back inside, Dave. Vera, you can't presume too much about my feelings. Don't say anything. This is the third time I've seen you. It seems like the hundredth. That's got to mean something. Well, under the circumstances, Dave, what can it mean? I love you. No. Not possible in such a short time? Why not? Please, Dave. This is probably the last time I'll ever see you, and I've got to say it. I love you. And I wish I didn't have a husband and that you loved me. Oh, Dave. Oh, Vera, darling. My darling. I do love you. I'm so glad. Glad? I was hoping you'd... Thinking of it. Wishing it. I, I don't believe you. What? How can I? You love me? I believe you, Dave. Why shouldn't you believe me? I'll prove I love you, Dave. I'll tell you why I really came to see you at your office last week. I'll tell you why I invited you to the theater and why I lied. It was to involve you personally with me. I'll tell you why I lied when my husband was there. For the same reason... To involve you deeper. To make you feel guilty. I knew my husband was going to be there. He and I planned it all beforehand. Including my bringing you here tonight. Bob Mollison poses as a consulting engineer. He has an office, all right, but he's no engineer. 
I never ran a shop in my life. The rest of our scheme is to get you involved with me further. Then blackmail you. Vera, this Bob's is Bob's only... figured out a scheme for making all tenants at the airport pay kickbacks to you for getting good space. He'd even pay you half the money. It can run into hundreds of thousands over a period of years. Blackmail? Bob's sure you can be blackmailed. He figures you'd come into the racket with us to prevent its becoming public that you and I... Are... I'm not married. There'd be no great scandal. You're appointed by the city... How long could you keep that job if Bob linked your name with that of a, a female jailbird? You? Four years in the state penitentiary. Why? Same scheme as this in another city. Maybe some mistakes and the victim wouldn't blackmail. Now, do you believe what I said? All that? Yes, I, I suppose I do. I mean, do you believe that I love you? Is this the same mistake you made before? Falling in love with a victim? No. Well, you made another. What? This time you let the victim really fall in love with you. Well, we'll both have to get over it. Yes. Together. Together? We'll go to Chicago, New York, any place. And from there notify Mollison you want a divorce. We'll get married. But your job... I'll get another. Will you do it? I'm... On one condition. What? I want to protect you. I'm going to tell Bob the whole thing, the truth, and ask him to settle everything quietly. Oh, darling, I'm so happy. I'm scared to death. Can we talk here privately, Captain Scott? Sergeant. Yes, sir. No interruptions, no phones, no nothing till I tell you. Yes, sir. Last night, Captain, I saw Vera Mollison again. She and I really have fallen in love. We're leaving the city. She's going to divorce Mollison. We're going to get married. Have a cigarette, Mr. Hale. I can see that speech took all the nerve you've got. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Light. Then I was entirely wrong, was I, Mr. Hale? About there being some kind of scheme? No. But that's all over now. It was a scheme, but it's over? Mrs. Mollison and her husband planned to blackmail me into a racket involving kickbacks on airport rentals. Hale, after I got her name last week, I inquired about her in the federal identification files in Washington. Vera Hammer, evidently the same girl, spent four years in a New York state pen for attempted blackmail. She told me. Well, Mollison's her husband, all right. Real name's Miller, Stony Miller, used to work for Big Con in Kansas City. Served three prison terms. I don't care anything about him. But, Captain, I've come to you and told you all this because of our previous conversations. Now I want you to forget the whole matter. You let this bust in the papers and you're out of work, Hale. She's asking Mollison to let us handle the whole thing quietly. You think he will? Even crooks aren't all bad, Captain Scott. Why wouldn't he? You stand to lose a lot more than your airport job. You've got a future in the city administration, haven't you? Well, don't you realize you're giving Mollison a stronger weapon against you than he had before? What? How? To frame a man with a variation of the old Badger game is usually pretty good, even though the emotions involved aren't very important. But now you're very deeply involved with this woman, and she with you. 
Mollison will see that. He knows you'll pay higher. I'll leave the city and stay away. If you balk him of this particular racket, he'll want to be paid high for letting his wife go. And if you can't do that, he'll refuse a divorce. I don't care. Listen to what you're saying, Hale. It can ruin your life to be tied up with a woman married to a crook and see an ex-con herself. We don't care anything about anything except that we love each other. You're going to hate me the rest of your life, but how do you know that even what she told you last night isn't part of a scheme? What? Which of you two suggested handling it quietly? What? I... No, Vera did. There it is, the real hook. They figure you'll pay higher if you're really in love than even if it was just a frame. That's a rotten thing to say about her. I swear she's sincere. Hale, have you got the nerve to come with me to visit them now without warning and find out? Well, this is all wonderful, Vera. Wonderful. Then you'll let me handle the divorce thing quietly? Oh, sure. Why not? Oh, Bob, I'm sorry I disappointed you. It hasn't been bad with you, taking everything together. No, it hasn't. You can find a new partner who won't let you down. If it's all the same to you, I'll move to a hotel. Uh, darling, you're getting ahead of yourself. I said I'd let you handle the divorce thing quietly, provided Hale cuts me in on the airport rental racket as soon as I set it up for him. You're crazy. He won't do it. To marry you? Why won't he? Because we're not going to start off wrong. All right, then I'll smear it all over the papers. But you promised. For a price. Bob, please, the... The racket idea's out. Can't you leave us alone? Well, sure, but not for nothing. All right. I'll go away. Alone. Away from you and from him. All right, I'll smear him anyway. I'll yell he knows where you went. You rotten crumb, you. You better put down that phone. If you hurt Dave, I'll tell the one thing about you that'll finish you for life. Oh, stop kidding. You were in on it, too. I don't care anymore what you do to me. But I will help Dave. Put that phone down. Operator, I want police. Oh... You're done anyway, Bob. The operator certainly heard it. Don't move, Mollison. Police. Police? Hold still the way you are. Give me that gun. And you get handcuffs. Police? Hello? Captain. Hello. She's dead. Hello? Hello, operator. This is Captain Scott, police. It's all right. Oh, thank you, sir. Mollison, I'm arresting you for the murder of your wife. Scott, she's she's dead. He killed her, the murdering. Oh. Leave him alone, Hale. But he killed her. Well, I'll take care of him for that and for a previous murder. I was hoping I wouldn't have to tell you, Hale, but through you... Two vicious murders have been caught. Two? Yeah. Because of the inquiries I made in Washington, I learned that Bob and Vera Miller, these two, were wanted for two years for the planned murder of a man in Philadelphia. Oh, no. I'm sorry, Hale. It just couldn't have worked with you and her. Operator, police headquarters, please. Under arrest. Into your cells. All prisoners present and accounted for.
You have heard Under Arrest, presented by Mutual and starring Joe DeSantis as Police Captain Jim Scott. Today's case was especially dramatized for Under Arrest by Paul R. Milton. Original music was composed and played by Al Finelli. Heard in today's cast were Rita Lynn as Mrs. Mollison, Eric Dressler as her husband, and Court Benson as Mr. Hale. All names of persons used in Under Arrest are fictitious. Any resemblance to names of actual persons living or dead is coincidental. This is Ken Marvin speaking. This program came from New York. This is the Mutual Broadcasting System. And that's Under Arrest from May 8, 1949, with Mollison's Handbag, starring Joe DeSantis, that was sustained over the Mutual Broadcasting System. Well, before we tune in to part one of the Martin and Lewis show from 1952, I want to remind all of our listeners about our classic radio club. We have a club for fans of Classic Radio, and maybe that's you. Just go to ClassicRadioClub.com. You'll have 10 radio shows sent to you every single month. Just go to ClassicRadioClub.com, and these shows will be handpicked by me. I'm going to pick the biggest, best, brightest, best sound quality, the most interesting, the biggest stars on these 10 radio shows every single month from my library of over 100,000 radio shows. Plus, I'm going to write detailed liner notes, historical information, fun facts about each and every show. Send that to you as well. Just go to ClassicRadioClub.com. I promise you'll enjoy being a member of the club. All right, Mike, are you ready for Martin and Lewis? Always. All right, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, they were a comedy team. And, of course, Dean Martin was the straight man, and Jerry Lewis was the um, lunatic, really. Right. He was the comedic foil in there. The two met in 1945 and formed a nightclub act. Now, the routines were ad-libbed, with Dean singing and Jerry mugging for the laughs. It was slapstick, uh, kind of vaudeville jokes, crazy antics. And then in 1949, they landed their own radio show on NBC, and they had top names as guest stars. Now, radio led to TV and hit films. By 1950, they were the hottest act in America, but they broke up in 1956, 10 years to the day of their first teaming. After the split, both men's careers reached new highs. We have a uh, radio broadcast for you now from September 23rd, 1952. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis welcome their special guest, Jeff Chandler. Here's part one now of the Martin and Lewis Show. The Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to bring you our master of ceremonies, Dean Martin. Another Tuesday is rolled around, which means another 30 minutes of fun and frivolity with the old crew. Now it gives me great pleasure to introduce... Dean, Dean, Dean! Well, what do you know? Jerry Lewis! Well, what's up, Jerry? What's all the excitement? Gosh, Dean, I can't find it anywhere. Have you seen my tongue? Your tongue? But, Jerry, you have your tongue. It's that long, curved thing that wobbles around in your mouth. You sure that's my tongue? Well, of course. Good heavens, and somebody stole my shoehorn. 
Jerry, you're a idiot. You know that, you're a idiot. Why don't you settle down and get yourself a hobby? Something to do in your spare time, huh? Oh, I got something to do, Dean. I just took a special job with NBC. I'm in charge of selling all the radio shows. You can be my first customer, too. You want to buy a daytime serial program? Look, I'm glad you have a job, but I don't want to buy a daytime serial program. Oh, but this is one. Oh, boy, what a corker it is. It's called The Third Mrs. Burton. It's the story of a small barefooted boy who grew up to be a large barefooted boy. No, Jerry, I don't think I... It's the story that asks the question, can a girl who is married to a gopher be happy with a mole? Jerry, now, once and for all, I'm not interested in buying a soap opera. Then maybe I can sell you a giveaway show. I got one giveaway program that's especially written for unemployed people. It's called The Big Layoff. No, Jerry, I don't... How about a dramatic show? This one's all about a girl who is 24 feet tall and weighs 6,000 pounds. What's it called? Big Big Sister. Sister. (laughs) Well, that figures. (laughs) Now that you got that one off your chest, let's drop it, huh? I don't want to buy a radio program. Besides, I don't have enough money. You don't? I can't even support my wife and five lawyers. That's all the more reason why you ought to invest in something good. Look, we have a wonderful music group here at NBC, and you can have them real cheap. Really? Well, what's the combination? Well, they got three washboards, first, second, and alto. (laughs) Then there's an old man with asthma in the key of C sharp. (laughs) And they have a wonderful new instrument that gives them the beat. What's that? A stopped-up sink. (laughs) You know, I think I'm getting just a little tired of Jerry Lewis. All right, suppose I become Florence Dank. And who is Florence Dank? Only the greatest channel swimmer the world has ever known. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, for our first guest, it becomes my pleasure to introduce the world's greatest lady swimmer, a girl who has swum across every channel known to man, Miss Florence Dank. Miss Dank, they told me what a great swimmer you are, but frankly, I had no idea you were so attractive. Oh, I'm not really so attractive, Mr. Martin. Of course, I do have a stunning figure. My nose is adorable, my lips are luscious, my eyes are dreamy, and my complexion is simply divine. But good heavens, I wouldn't say I'm attractive. What are you, then? I'm gorgeous. Well, it's no wonder. You must take very good care of yourself. Oh, certainly. What other woman gets a grease job every thousand miles? back to uh, your appearance, would you say that being a channel swimmer has helped to improve the way you look? No question about it, Mr. Martin. Take my hair. It used to look like dry, shredded wheat. Now, can you believe a thing like that? <laughs> but after ten years of swimming every day, you know what it looks like? What? Wet, shredded wheat. <laughs> Gee, that, that sounds like quite a problem for your hairdresser. Oh, it certainly is, Mr. Martin. After my last channel swim. Now, just listen to this. I am. I'm listening. <laughs> I went to my hairdresser for a shampoo And you'll never guess what she found in my hair An old bobby pin No, an old flounder Did you take it home to dinner? No, it wasn't hungry, so I took it to a movie instead What picture did you see? The new Rita Hayworth picture Now, there's my idea of a beautiful woman Oh, she's all right, but I have that lanolin plus look Lanolin plus what? Chicken fat Oh, We've heard that you owe much of your success to your mother who has always stood by you. Is this true? Do you owe your success success to uh, your mother? Mother? No, no. (laughs) 
Well, my mother did help me a lot, uh, honestly, but mostly I owe everything to my lungs. You can have the best mother in the world, but don't ever try swimming without a lung. I understand that, but did you ever have any trouble breathing while you were swimming? Only once. I was swimming the channel, and all of a sudden, something went wrong with my breathing. What happened? A sardine swam up my nostril. What a shame. Yeah, it was. For three days, I sneezed olive oil. Miss Dank, uh, let's hear a little about your personal life. Have you ever been married? Three times, actually. My first husband was a lumberjack. He got killed by a falling tree. That's too bad. My second husband was killed by a falling tree, too. For heaven's sake. But my third husband died in his sleep. What happened? A tree fell on him. <laughs> our, our time is drawing short, Miss Dank. But uh, one last question before we go. I'm sure the people listening in would like to hear of your most exciting experience in the water. Well, I guess my most exciting experience was the first time I was swimming the Panama Canal and I got caught in the locks. You were caught in the locks without an escape? Worse, I was caught in the locks without a bagel. That's the first portion of the Martin and Lewis show starring Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis with special guest Jeff Chandler. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. Hey, fans of Classic Radio, Carl Amari here. I've created a free app just for you. Get 10 Classic Radio shows free in the Classic Radio Shows app. Plus, there are many more shows available for in-app purchase. You can get your free Classic Radio Shows app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. The easiest way to get your free app is to log on to Hollywood360radio.com and scroll down to the Classic Radio Shows app banner and click either the Google link or the Apple link. Don't miss out. Get your free Classic Radio Shows app today. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Well, next time, it's the conclusion to the Martin and Lewis show with Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis and special guest Jeff Chandler. Then we'll fly up into space with Tom Corbett, Space Cadet from 1952. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.